Howdy, everybody. Welcome to the Granger Smith Podcast. What's up? Thanks for listening. Would traveling to another country right now be a smart thing to do? Like if I just packed my bags and headed, headed off to the airport and went to a completely different country during the craziness of this world right now in the state we're in, would that be smart? And if I did, well, what would I see? Why, would, I, would I feel safe? Well, I'm here to tell you, I just did it. I actually just got back and it, I learned a lot from this trip and probably most importantly was when I was deciding to go in this crazy time and leave my family and go to another country. And I was having some serious commitment remorse, like I, I Maybe I shouldn't like, no, I'm, I'm scared. Maybe I should be scared. Everyone's telling me I should be scared. I should try to be super safe right now. And then I decided against it. And I decided to go with my gut and go with the original commitment. And I was really happy. I was really, really happy that I did. I felt like I'm better for it. I felt like nothing bad happened from it. I want to tell you all about that where I went, how I did it, what it was like on this podcast. I want to, I want to read a few shout outs here before we get started because shout outs on this podcast are really important to me. So I want to give a shout out to Jesse Nettikoven. That is N-E-T-T-E-K-O-V-E-N. Sorry if I'm so bad at these names, uh, from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I'm going to give a shout out to Justin Toner from Oklahoma. Landon Manzaranis from Durango, Colorado, 13 years old. Thank you, Landon. Um, here's a shout out to Love Cows. Love Cows always listen to this podcast. I don't exactly know who you are, but what's up? Thank you. You said, uh, will you ever have Matt Carricker on this podcast? Yes, I will. Good question, Love Cows. Uh, shout out to Spencer Nielsen from Boise, Idaho. Love me some Idaho. Thanks, Spencer. Um, here's a question from, or here's a shout out to Isaiah Claverweeden. Thank you, Isaiah, for listening. Appreciate you. Um, do a few more. Alexis Valeda from Mineola, Texas. What's up, Alexis? Thank you for listening. Um, Justin Ziebenbergen, 16 years old from Lao, Michigan. It's crazy. I read some of these names and I think it's going to be a foreign country and it's, it's Michigan. What's up? 16 years old, Justin. Thank you for listening, man. And uh, Tyson Lindbergh. Appreciate you, buddy. Mason Correll from Tiffin, Ohio. Um, Caleb Seahand. Seahand from Tomball, Texas. What's up, Caleb? Gabriel Gonzalez from Henderson, Texas. Dylan, Dillian, Dylan, sorry, Dylan Shavers. Um, 13 years old, Dylan. That's the second 13-year-old. Uh, Mandy Clevenger, Clevenger from Southwest Missouri. What's up, Mandy? Uh, Bryson Bacom is uh, turning 11 years old on January 16th. Shout out. Thanks for listening to Diesel, Bryson. Um, I, I appreciate you guys. I mean, the, the, you could you could sh- get a shout out if you want. GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com. I can't do them all. I'm sorry. Uh, but I would like that. I'll go through and just shotgun it through uh, some of them like that. Um, I appreciate you guys so much. Love you. Thank you for giving me this platform. I'm not only going to tell you about uh, going to a foreign country and why I think you should consider it, 
and and get your comments ready because you're about to attack me. I know some of y'all are going to attack me for even saying that. But I also want to answer some of your questions. There's some really good questions today, including one that says, how could I get on stage and glorify alcohol and tobacco when I'm trying to be a man of Christ? How could I do that? And so I dug in and completely unpacked that really good question on this podcast. Appreciate y'all listening. Love y'all. Yee, yee. So I just got back from Mexico last night, really late last night, flew in uh, the last flight out of Atlanta from Mexico City from Hermosillo. And so I'm a little little uh, tired today, but good to be back home, good to be back on the podcast. This trip to Mexico, it's interesting and I want to talk about it because uh, uh, my good buddy Preston from I know him from we went to grade school together and then college together and then our lives became very different when he went into commercial real estate he's a really really smart guy brilliant guy and he's one of these guys you meet him you just know he's going he was going to be successful and he is very successful at what he does and then I went and joined a band out of college so we our lives took really really big turns away from each other. But we we talk a lot still, and we share a love for the outdoors. We always have, ever since we were kids. So we've, we go hunting at least once a year. We'll go hunting for something, whether it's bird or deer. This time it was mule deer in Mexico. And the reason this happened was he called me just about two days before we left and said, hey, man, I have this trip planned to go to Mexico in the state of Sonora. And I was going with my dad and my dad got diagnosed with colon cancer and needed to get some tests done. So he can't go. Do you want to take his spot? And I said, Hey man, awesome. Let me check with Amber. Let me look at the schedule and I'll, I'll get back to you soon. So hung up with him and it's interesting because I went to Amber and she was like, yes, do it. You need to, you need to do it. You know, these kind of opportunities are, are rare and you only live once. And Amber, you know, since river Amber's always really into you only live once, take advantage of life when you can, because tomorrow's not guaranteed. And this was a special trip with your friend. So I was like, cool. cool. So I texted him and said, I'm in. Gave me the details, you know, let me get the flight and everything. 
And then when I said that, I started getting, sort of building up this slow remorse. You know, you talk about buyer's remorse. For me, there's something that's what I call commitment remorse. It's like I commit to something and then I go, oh, why'd I do this? So I just wrestle in my brain and I just literally lay down on the bed and, you know, face down in the pillows. And I was just like, shoot, do I, do I need to be leaving the family right now? You know, there's the world's weird right now. Do I need to be traveling to Mexico? And Amber the whole time, thank God for Amber. She's just reassuring me like, yes, babe, do it, do it. You, these opportunities don't come. You're going to make memories. And I was like, Ugh. and in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to go to the farm and do a podcast and, you know, get stuff done around the house and work on, you know, do radio interviews. And I'm like, man, I do those all the time. Anyway, why do I, why do I want to be stuck to this routine? And so I was like, well, I started thinking, well, Preston asked me for a reason. There has to be a reason. There's a reason for everything. And maybe I should just embrace this, embrace an adventure, embrace the unknown, give up on this commitment remorse. (laughs) And so it's like, okay, I just committed my mind to it. I'm going to be gone. It's going to be like five days. So I did and so glad that I did. It was, it was an amazing trip. Uh, we flew into, we, I flew from Austin to Phoenix to Hermosillo and from Hermosillo, our guide, which is basically the owner of the ranch, picked us up at the airport and we drove about an hour and most of that drive was on a dirt road. We went to the, I mean, I th- we throw around the phrase middle of nowhere in the Sonoran desert. You could really get in the middle of nowhere. I'm talking no, first of all, just no roads. There's no road. There's no county roads. There's no power lines. There's no buildings. There's no civilization at all. So down a certain point on these dirt roads, you just start going through ranches and you're we're going through other people's ranches. Every land, every piece of land in Sonora is privately owned and they're massive ranches because it's just arid desert. So, I mean, it's heavily vegeta- heavily uh, vegetated. Is that right? There's a lot of vegetation. So it's not open desert. It's, it's like mesquite trees and all different kinds of cactus and um, um, Palo Verde trees, but it's, it's, it's still a very arid desert. So we're driving through ranches and going through these cattle gates. It's all cattle country. In fact, this, this country is known for, this part of the country is known for carne asada. They invented carne asada. So they, they know their beef very, very well. They know their cattle very, very well. They could tell you what breed of cattle and what cut produces what taste and the reason and the difference of breeds for that taste. So you're driving through these different ranches and you have a key that will get you through the gates of different people's ranches. So that's how far you're going away from civilization. And out there, we finally got to, uh, Beto is his name. We got to Beto's ranch and it's 20,000 acres, all just free range. And there's no power that they run a backup generator. And then they have a solar system, which the solar power was pretty iffy. It would it would go off a lot. We would lose power a lot, so they have to crank up the backup generator. Uh, no water, of course. It was all well water, hand dug well water, and then there's some cowboys that live there. 
And it was to me like what Texas would have been 175 years ago, you know, just modern technology is not there yet. And I just loved it. It was incredible. The hunt was all high rack hunting. So we're in the back of a pickup where there was two pickup trucks and then they built these metal high racks, basically platforms in the beds of the truck. And then Preston went with a guy and would drive around. And I went with a guy and would drive around and we would just drive around all day down these dirt roads, very slow, just he's looking left and I'm looking right. And we're just scanning the brush, looking for desert mule deer. And of course I filmed the whole thing. You guys know me. I like to film everything. So I made a video for my YouTube channel called Gigi life. And I made it a video for the Smiths. Um, the Smiths are always the, the ones that don't include the hunt, you know, don't include any animals in it. And then Gigi life, there's no rules because you know, I'll just show everything. Uh, but just fantastic trip, saw every sunrise and every sunset, ate some incredible Mexican food and was so grateful that I gave up on my commitment remorse and did it, just sucked it up and did it. Uh, it, everything went smoothly, made it back home, grateful for that. Um, so I, I can't wait for you guys to, to finally see these videos, the, the, the Smith video, which is just about mainly about the food and the scenery will come out for you, for the, those of y'all listening to this podcast real time, it'll come out tomorrow. All my Smiths come out Tuesdays and Thursdays, the Yee life, the full video of the Mexico trip. I'm not sure because that's going to take a lot of editing. So that might be, we might be a week or so out at least from finishing that video pump for you guys to see it. And uh, maybe that's just a message to everyone that when an opportunity comes up and you feel like you should probably stay stuck in your routine and you should probably, you know, keep your nose to the grindstone, you might want to second guess that and go, you know what? You only live once. You got to be smart about it. You know, you don't want to tell your boss that you're leaving tomorrow, but uh, you only live once. You only have, sometimes these opportunities never come. I've never done anything like that. And then I got back and my brother Tyler was like, I want to go. I want to do it next time. And maybe we will. I want to I want to also get into y'all's questions. You guys have been so good emailing me your questions. And you could email anything you want to grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. I get these emails every day. And uh, I enjoy reading them. And I enjoy uh, kind of racking my brain and and plowing through these questions with you guys because the questions are usually all over the place. Uh, I'm going to start with, let's see, boom. I'm going to hit a random one here. This is from, from Cody. And it says, Hey Granger, I've been singing for about six years now and I've always enjoyed performing for others. About half a year and a half ago, my voice started getting very rough. I've not been able to sing for that period. And when I try to, it sounds the same as my voice would after yelling and screaming for a long period of time. ENTs cannot figure out what is going on. Do you have any remedies that you use whenever your, your voice gets rough or sore? Also, love your music, your concerts, and your outlook on life. Keep being an inspiration. Thank you, Cody. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for emailing. Thanks for the question. It's a good question. And I've dealt with this for um, quite a while. Vocal cords are, you know, that's your, that's your main tool as a performer. 
And over the years, you know, I've been singing for singing on stage for 25 years. And I, I think over the 25 years I have one for one, I have cared a little bit less about making sure that they are always clear and staying the same vocal cords. Because you look at you look at some people and as they get older, your voice is just naturally going to get rougher and deeper as you get older. Like an old man doesn't talk the same as he did when he was 30 years old. So that's the natural wear and tear on the muscle of the vocal cords. So I don't talk the same. In fact, if I run audio, and I have before on this podcast, of me talking when I'm 17, I sound like a different person, a different human. And I've looked at that now. It's not a bad thing. It's, it's an evolution of the sound, and you just kind of go with it. So if your voice is getting rough, you just kind of go with it, and that becomes your sound. There's a difference, though, in if it starts hurting if it's hurting you, then there's a problem. There's a problem. If your voice is rough and it doesn't hurt at all, then that that could be a lot of people do great. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of singers that uh, that sing with a rough voice and they everyone loves it. In fact, there's a lot of times I wish my voice was rougher than it was because people love that. That being said, though, you said it's the same as if I had been yelling and screaming for a long period of time. So that indicates that maybe there's something something else going on. And I would think, because I have this problem, I'm going to assume that it's your talking voice that's the problem, not your singing voice. Your talking voice is uh, being strained and it's putting a lot of stress on your vocal cords themselves. So I want to start with a couple things. Um, sleep is number one for vocal cords for me. And I know a lot of other people as is with a lot of things in life. Sleep is a remedy that it's probably the ultimate healer. The ultimate physical healer is getting sufficient amounts of sleep. Um, lack of sleep is leads to fatigue all over, all over the body, including the vocal cords. It's no different. Uh, hydration is number two. Hydration is so important. Drink plenty of water. Every time you drink a cup of caffeine of any kind, you're going to want to double up on water. So one cup of coffee equals later that day two extra glasses of water. So if you're unsure on how to measure that, try to drink a gallon a day. And the way you do that is just a milk carton. Grab a milk carton, fill it with water in the morning, and start pounding it pounding it during the day and make sure you ration enough to get that entire gallon done by the end of the day. You're going to be going to the restroom all day, but that's a good test. And you don't quite need a gallon unless you're a bodybuilder or an extreme athlete. You don't quite need a gallon, but that's a good marker on um, what kind of hydration you're getting, especially, I would say, at least marking down what kind of water you're drinking. How many cups are you drinking a day? And keep a tally of that at the beginning so you'll know this is what's happening. 
Um, three, alcohol. Alcohol is a, is a huge, huge problem with the vocal cords and with drying them out or being rough. So uh, alcohol is worse than caffeine on the vocal cords. So it, whatever you've read about uh, um, using whiskey to, to help warm you up, it's a myth. It's a complete myth. I usually will take like a shot of whiskey with the guys, a ceremonial shot with the guys, but I know that that shot of whiskey before the show is not to make me sing better. It's more ceremonial and um, it's kind of a, a, just a little bit of an equalizer to the body itself, but it's not benefiting me singing unlike some people will tell you. So go through those things right there. Sleep, how, uh, sleep, reduce your caffeine, increase your hydration, reduce your alcohol. Start with that. And then if you don't see an improvement right away, then you need to think about how you're talking. You, if you talk from your throat like this, like I'm doing right now, you are using the upper part of your chest and your throat, and it is a big strain on the vocal cords. Or if you come and put your, your chin down and you breathe out of your belly. So your air comes from your belly and you exhale with your muscles in your belly and you talk from deep down in your body. And you could tell the difference even on this podcast with me talking like this when my chin is down and I'm up on the mic. So my eyes are literally looking down at the floor, chin is down my shoulders are back and I'm breathing out of the bottom of my sternum as opposed to and then I'll reverse it and I'll start looking up now. So now I'm looking up at the ceiling and taking quick breaths out of the top of my chest and all the pressure is going straight through my throat. And that, is, that will wear, if you're doing that, not necessarily, I know you're not looking at the ceiling when you're talking, but if you think about when you're talking to your buddies or wherever you are at work and there's loud noises, try to keep your chin down and breathe out of your belly. <laughs> so these are all just this little tricks and you could practice that breathing technique uh, just throughout the day. Uh, it's really important. Um, you could also be having trouble while you're sleeping, breathing out of your mouth. And it could be a snoring thing. It could be an acid, acid reflux thing. And if you're if you're experiencing acid reflux and when you're sleeping on your hey, by the way, Cody, you didn't know this was going to be so in depth, did you? When you asked me, but I do I know a lot about this stuff. So you could be sleeping, and your body is literally regurgitating acid out of your stomach, and it's going into your throat and it's burning your vocal cords. It is common. It's um, it's terrible for your vocal cords, and you might not even know it's happening. So. If you wake up in the morning with this rough, dry feeling, there's a good chance that could be happening. An instant remedy for that is sleeping with a humidifier. And I've done that before in my life. I've had, if, if we're touring in a really arid climate, for example, I'll sleep with the humidifier, just rolling a cloud of mist over into my face. And it's like instant relief to your throat. So that's something to think about. And then the acid reflux thing, there's medication for that over the counter. And you could start realizing, oh, you're eating too much foods with tomato in it or onion or 
probably people listening probably know a lot more about that than I do, but Google it, Google acid reflux. You want to stop that, man. Is that it? So other remedies, hot tea, no caffeine, cut off the caffeine and drink, um, non-caffeinated hot tea, put a little lemon in it. A little bit of honey helps. Those are remedies that help immediately. If you're trying to get on stage and you need a little bit of a, a jolt of, of power to your vocal cord, get a hot tea with lemon and honey, just a touch of honey, not too much honey. Cause you don't want sugar will do the same problem as caffeine eventually. So it's a, it's, it's a lifelong expedition. My friend dealing with your vocal cords is a, it's a lifestyle that you cannot ever break that lifestyle if you truly want longevity in your vocal cords. So if you're sitting around a campfire with your buddies and smoke is rolling into your face, you're talking loud because there's music playing out of a boombox, and you're drinking alcohol, talking loudly, using the top of your chest, breathing in the smoke, and drinking alcohol, and staying up till 2 a.m., you're, you're doing all the things wrong to the vocal cords. And so then you go, that's what's going on. So that could be your problem, Cody. That could be it. So there's a lot of ways to deal with it. Uh, and that's my, that's my advice. So right, let's go through some of these things, Cody, and then right back into this podcast and we'll see exactly what's going on. Let me move on. Uh, this question is from Steve, and it says, Hey, Granger, I'm a big fan, not just of your music, but of you as a person. Your new album, I really lo- on your new album, I really love I Kill Spiders. My question for you is, when you're writing music, how do you decide what the rhythm of it is and the tempo and what key to write it in and where to put a bridge in the song, etc.? Thanks. Steve, Bakersfield, California. It's a great question, Steve and you live in Bakersfield, that is a dry climate. So make sure you're sleeping with a humidifier. Just kidding. Um, it's a, it's a good question. And those, those aspects of the song during the making of the song, Steve, like the rhythm tempo, same thing. And the key are always decisions that we make in the pre-production of the song itself. So that starts with making a work tape and a work tape is me and my guitar and a metronome and I sing it in its entirety. And I listen back to it and I get a feel of it and I go, could this song be a click faster or could it be a click slower, maybe two clicks slower or faster? And does my voice sound like I'm straining to hit the notes, maybe we should lower it a key, a half, a half, or if, am I struggling to get the lower notes, should we raise it a half? So the, it's usually, and, and tell you, I'll tell you what, there's been a lot of times when I'll, I'll do two versions and I'll try to live with it in my truck. So I'll go, man, I can't decide if this tempo is going to be 96 or 94. That's beats per minute. So I'll do a version of each, 96 and 94, and then I'll go drive around and I'll go, yep, 96. It needed to be 96 because the second verse, there was too much space in between the words at 94 beats per minute. And 96, it speeds it up. Or sometimes it's the opposite. It needs to be 94 because in the bridge, 
the words get too jumbled because I'm trying to say them too fast. And that's because it's 96 beats per minute needs to go down to 94. So that happens. The key, same thing driver. Sometimes I'll do a key and in, in a flat, and then I'll do another version of it in G and then I'll drive around and I'll go, you know what? I really like, I think I like the G or I really like the A flat because it gives the verses are warmer in A flat than they are in G. So that's a, it's always a big consideration. And then, uh, the bridge, you're asking me where the bridge is. That's the, that's the easiest of all your questions because in country music, the bridge is always either after the second chorus or after the solo, which comes after the second chorus. And the country music is pretty predictable in that way. You go, you usually go intro, verse one, chorus, turnaround, verse two, chorus two, solo or bridge, chorus three, outro. So right around that, that area, you can go solo bridge, or you can go bridge solo, or you can go just solo, or you can go just bridge, or you could either go you could, you could do a half verse where the bridge is, but basically that's that spot right there, that little space after the second chorus is like three or four combinations. But the bridge, if it's, if it's in the song, the bridge is always living in that area between chorus two and chorus three. And sometimes chorus three is a breakdown chorus at the beginning. It means like everybody gets quiet and it's just vocal, or sometimes it's full, or sometimes it's a double. Regardless, the bridge is going to fall between chorus two and chorus three. Great question, buddy. Um, and I like answering those. I'm going to take a quick break and be back. Guys, there's a trusty sponsor for this podcast today, and it's Raycon. When I was on this trip to Mexico, I was going through a lot of airports and traveling a long way and I needed to always have something in my ears. I, I just, I don't know about you guys, but there's so many distractions going on, especially when you're traveling. And, you know, these days you got your mask on. And you just kind of want to be able to stay in your own world. And, and so I was either listening to music or listening to podcasts or watching different YouTube videos, trying to learn something. And I was shocked that my Raycons not only blocked out all the outside noise of the airplane, but they lasted a long time. These tiny earbuds, their battery power is unbelievable. It's the new year, and so everyone's kind of getting into new new habits, new resolutions. You could be following directions in the kitchen or listening to an audiobook, uh, powering through a new workout with a pumped-up playlist in your ear. A pair of Raycons could make any activity easier and way better. They are amazing little earbuds. Uh, it makes great sound accessible to everyone. Their wireless earbuds start at half the price of other premium audio brands. And guess what? If you think you having those little white stems hanging out of your ear looks ridiculous, that's something you don't have to worry about with Raycons. They come with a range of stylish colorways, but always with a comfortable in-ear fit for a more discreet look. They don't just look great. They perform whenever you take them and they perform wherever you take them. And with up to six hours of playtime, water, sweat resistant construction and Bluetooth that pairs quickly and seamlessly. They're pretty awesome. Raycon's offering 15% off the products for all of my listeners. And here's what you got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash Granger. That's it. 
you'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. So feel free to grab a pair and another pair to spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash Granger. Buyraycon.com slash Granger. Another trusty sponsor today, Ship Station. If you're selling stuff online, you know how busy 2020 was and everyone and their dog was shopping online. Well, get ready for 2021. It's going to be even bigger. That's why online sellers like you need ShipStation. No matter how much you sell, ShipStation makes it easy to manage and ship all your orders from all of your sales channels faster, cheaper, and more efficiently. Import orders from any sales channel. Ship with any carrier using our deeply discounted rates. Automate just about any shipping task. With ShipStation, you'll spend a lot less time on shipping and a lot more time growing your business. It's no wonder ShipStation has more five-star reviews than any other shipping software. No matter what you're selling, it could be on Amazon or Etsy or your own website, ShipStation brings all of your orders into one simple interface, making them easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. It works with all the major carriers like USPS, FedEx, and UPS, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. ShipStation even offers big discounts at shipping on shipping rates. Now, any business can access the same discounts, usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know what you're getting. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. There's a reason ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. Ship more in less time. Some of the best rates available anywhere. So get 2021 off to a great start by visiting ShipStation.com. Just use my offer code Granger to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free, no hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in Granger. That's ShipStation.com. Enter the offer code Granger. ShipStation, make ship happen. Got the questions out here. If you have anything for me, you want to ask me anything in the world, Podcast at gmail.com. And I appreciate it. Make sure you put your name and where you're from. This question is from Courtney and it says, Hey Granger, I just want to know how do you reboot yourself or switch your mood on an off day? And how do you stay motivated? I listen to your podcast every week and love you. Thank you, Courtney. Uh, great question. How do I reboot myself or switch my mood on an off day? The first step to that for me is realizing it's an off day. <laughs> Once you realize it's an off day, then you could deal with it. The problem is for me is when I don't realize I'm having an off day and I think the world is off that day. And there's a big difference between the world is off that day and I'm not seeing it like I should. Number one for me, first and foremost, by far, hands down, number one is lack of sleep. That happens to me. I am having an off day and I'm just, I'm, I'm either physically having an off day as in I'm clumsy, I'm dropping things, I'm tripping on things, I'm banging my head on cabinets, uh, I have a headache, um, those kind of things, or it could be mentally. And, and usually it's, it's the mental side. Usually I'm frustrated. I'm mad at something or somebody. Uh, I'm, I'm uptight. Uh, the kids are driving me crazy because they're 
they're doing something and it's, and I can't focus because they're talking a lot. And then I realized it takes, it takes a, a lot of practice to do this, but I realized, mm, wait a minute. Uh, it's not the world. It's not the kids. It's not the cabinet. <laughs> it's me. I didn't sleep much last night. I had an, er- I had a, an early flight. You know, I took off it. I got up out, out of the hotel at 4am and I had a six o'clock flight and I flew to Austin and now here I am, I'm running on four hours of sleep. Boom. And then everything is skewed. So what I, what I do now is at least I try to, I'm, Guys, I'm always a work in progress, by the way. If you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to my advice. I'm always a work in progress. I'm always trying to get better. I'm far from having everything figured out. So I'm going to talk through these things and then I might revise it in a month or a year because hopefully if I'm available and open to listening and learning and watching, then I could always become a little bit better than the yesterday version of myself. That's always the goal. And in that, I will say, I try to, as a general rule in life, when I'm in conversations and groups, listen more, talk less, listen more, talk less. I I tell myself that in the morning today, I'm going to listen more and talk less. Because when I'm listening, I'm learning, I'm absorbing. It doesn't matter if the person's right or wrong. I'm learning in some way from that. If I'm talking, I'm just regurgitating what I already know. So it, if I want to benefit, I need to listen. So I try to identify before I engage the world that I am running on four hours of sleep. And Courtney, I know that this wasn't your totally your question. How do you reboot yourself on switch on an off day? But a big part of that question to me is realizing it's an off day. And, and, and most of my off days revolve around either a lack of sleep or some kind of bad news that I'm dealing with that then I project to everything else. So say, say I get the news that a good buddy, a buddy of mine, Preston just found out his dad is diagnosed with colon cancer. And you know, I find out in the morning. So as I move on through the day and other people are dealing with me and I'm dealing with them, I'm looking through the lens of my my best friend's dad is diagnosed with colon cancer. And I have to remember that that lens is a little skewed. It's a little bit different than on a normal day. And realizing that is is such a big part of the, of life. And in a lot of ways, I could say either I'm looking through that lens or, or I'm running on low sleep. I could just say, I'm not going to deal with this problem or this person today. I'm going to deal with them tomorrow. <laughs> and I know I always say, don't put off till, till tomorrow what you could do today. But forget that. If you're having an off day, a lot of times you have to make a concession for yourself and just say, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to be my best dealing with this situation in the current state of mind I'm in. So if I am, Courtney, let me get back to your question on how do I reboot. If I am and I can't take a nap, then I try to really focus on slowing down and staying present in the moment instead of 
try to multitask. I'm a bad multitasker anyway. Add a problem to my life and I'm a really bad multitasker. So I try to do everything one thing at a time until I could finally get into bed and get a good night's sleep. So that is, that's me. And one of the tendencies I have, if I'm going on low sleep or, or having I've had bad news, one of my tendencies is to eat like crap, especially on the low sleep days. For some reason, I don't know what it is, but if I'm, if I'm lacking sleep, I'll just crave some really bad fast food. And it's almost like it's such an easy answer because you don't want to deal with anything else. You just want something quick. So fast food fits. And the problem is you're adding another huge problem to your brain. You're not giving your brain good food, good fuel, good power on an already off situation. So um, I'm guilty of that. You could double up your problems. What I've done lately, probably the past couple of years, is if I'm taking an early flight night during touring days, normal year, normal touring, almost every single Sunday, I was flying home from a city. And almost every time I would take the earliest flight out of that city to try to have the most family time I can at home. So usually that flight is between five and 6am, which means I'm getting up really early to get, you know, a ride to the airport. And I would just make up my mind that I'm not going to eat anything at the airport. And it's easier to say, I'm not going to eat anything than it is to say, I'll wait and see what they have at the airport because it's never going to be good. So I would rather fast and go on no sleep and no food, just coffee. That way I'm not putting anything worse into my body that is having to deal with digestion, blah, 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 whatever. And I could get straight to, I can get straight home and try to get some good food in me and then go to bed. I know that that's probably way around what your question was, Courtney, but uh, it's, it's a great question. Uh, David says, hey man, I'm David from Columbia. You don't have to answer this if it's too personal, but I wanted to know what inspired you to write the song Letters to London. Thank you and yee yee. Yeah, David, good question. I, it's not too personal, actually. That song, Letters to London, is on my... What album is that? What's that called? It's called Poets and Prisoners. I believe that was 2011. Poets, or maybe 2010. One of those two years. 11, I think. Yeah. Dirt Road Driveway was 2009, so Poets and Prisoners was 2011. And there's a song on there called Letters to London. That song idea came from Amber... When we were, we got engaged in Europe because her family is from England. She's a once removed, um, what do you, I don't even know how you say it. Her grandmother is from London. So her grandmother, grandmother came over and moved to the U.S., accent and all. So we went over there and we were visiting and basically uh, her homeland, which is, it's mine too, just many generations before that. And we were just having this great trip. It was her first time over there. And, and she said, I got a good idea from us for a song. It's called Letters to London. I was like, man, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I don't know what it means, but I really like it. It was soon after, and I'd have to ask her to confirm this, but it was soon after that we decided if we had a little girl one day, 
we would name her London. So I started writing the song and then thinking about the perspective of actual girl named London, not the city. If it was a girl, letters to London, the girl. That's where that song came from. This is all the way back. This question came from September 28th from Amy. It says, Hey Granger, I've always wondered when I pay $1.29 to download a song from iTunes, how much of that actually goes into your pocket? Yeah, great question. And that's different for every artist. I'm going to answer me. I'm, I have a record label. They're really good people. It's a record label called BMG. And for most artists that have record deals, it is, they are essentially a bank. So it costs usually a lot of money to make an album and everything that goes into that album includes uh, music videos, which music videos are really, really expensive. The high budget ones, because you're hiring a crew, you're hiring a director that's that people know and, he, and he's going to guarantee you a good product so there's album art which you know good photographers cost money graphic designers cost money um, co-producers cost a lot of money and then studios and musicians and everything so an album could end up being i'm gonna i mean i'm gonna just throw it out there but it could be you know a quarter million dollars it could be a total of $250,000 to make an album. So, it, it, I mean, it could, I've also made albums. I've made albums in my life for five grand and 4,500 of that was packaging and the rest I just did out of my house. So I've, I've really done the whole gamut of the album budget, budget albums. But Amy, what the record label will do is they, they come forward as really a bank. They'll say, hey, we'll pay for the album. We'll pay for all that quarter million dollar album. Don't even worry about it. And then as you start selling the $1.29, that's going to go to us until we pay ourselves back. And then after we pay ourselves back, you could have uh, whatever's left. And it ends up being a good deal. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't want to pay a quarter million dollars to make an album. <laughs> and once again, not saying you have to, but if you want to get into three really big music videos and hire a photographer that you know is going to nail it for you, there's a lot of things, you know, um, this, this last, last album I had had 16 songs on it. So there's a lot of players. It's a lot of studio time. So I don't want to dump that out. So I happily give the label your dollar 29 to repay until we get to that quarter million. So let me put it this way. I don't see any of it <laughs> typically, and that's okay. That's okay. That's the choice I make to make a, an album like that. That's the decision I make. If I was pinching pennies, then I would say, I ain't signing no record deal. I'm going to, I'm going to budget this album and make it myself and I'm going to nickel and dime every musician and I'm going to nickel and dime every studio and I'm not going to hire a high dollar video director. And then I'm going to keep your dollar 29 for myself. I just don't think that's not an efficient way of making a living touring, selling tickets is, is the way I really make a living in the music business. So 
um, and for your listens on this podcast. That's another way. So that's pretty much your answer to where the dollar twenty nine goes, Amy. Let me get another one. I have time. Yeah, I got another guy. I got time. This question is from Ken. I like this question. Ken, I looked, I looked at this right before I did the podcast. It says, hello, this is Ken Seymour from upstate New York. Shout out to upstate New York. I don't want this to come across as judgmental, but I have a question. I watch and listen to your podcast and YouTube channel. I hear your song. I hear your strong belief in God, but I've noticed you use your use of tobacco and drinking beer and other alcohol. How do you explain this contradiction? It seems in your songs, you're almost glorifying it. I've been thinking about writing you. I know we are not perfect and we all have our struggles with sin, but I'm curious. Please understand. I'm asking one man who is a fallen sinner, just trying to live my best life for Christ. Let me read that sentence again, because sometimes I struggle reading these sentences if I'm looking at my phone. Please understand, I'm asking one man who is a fallen sinner, just trying to live my best life for Christ, Ken Seymour. Um, I, I like this question a lot, and it comes up a lot. I get a lot of questions like this on this podcast. And I don't think I've really answered one. I don't think one has come up in the raffle yet until now. Um, but let me try to unpack it a little bit. Because, Ken, I don't, I don't disagree with you. Um, let me start with this. And I'm not going to, I don't have a Bible in front of me. And so I'm not going to get into specific scripture. But I have read the whole Bible many times. So, first of all, tobacco use is not a sin. There is not, it's not a sin. There's nothing in the Bible that says it's a sin. Um, if I was underage, which in Texas, it's 17 for tobacco, uh, and I illegally got the tobacco under the age of 17, then there, there would be a sin involved. It is also not a sin to drink alcohol. Drunkenness is a sin. Drinking alcohol is not. Um, most people historically believe that at the Last Supper, Jesus was drinking wine with his disciples. It was fruit of the vine, as it says in the Word. So there is an argument that it could have been grape juice. But it's unlikely, historically unlikely, that it would have been grape juice. It most likely was uh, fermented, making it wine. The problem with alcohol and what Paul talks about many times with drunkenness, and there's many mentions in the Old Testament about it as well, is drinking too much fermented fruit of the vine and becoming drunk. And the problem with drunkenness, which is the sin, drunkenness, is what you do with an impaired mind and what that leads to, what that opens the door to in your life uh, with that impaired mind. So let's start with uh, alcohol. I, I do partake in alcohol. I do have a beer. I do have a ceremonial drink with the band. And 
I am learning. This is a new path for me, guys. Be, my 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 strong conviction to Christianity and what I call my rebirth, which happened about a year and a half ago. I've always been a believer, but I was born again about a year and a half ago. Since then, I have made a sincere uh, commitment to myself to avoid drunkenness. I haven't, I haven't committed cutting off alcohol because I genuinely have a pretty strong willpower and I've always had a pretty strong discipline with myself. And so I can control only having one or two drinks max, and that's it. I can control that. If I thought there was just a sliver of a chance that I wouldn't be able to handle limiting myself into three, four, five, six, seven drinks, I would not touch it at all. I wouldn't take a drop of it. Knowing that once I have one drink, it could lead to many more, which could lead to drunkenness, which could lead to all kinds of problems. And I'm a married man and I have kids that could lead to many problems. So, um, so because of my, 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 my me understanding my personal self-discipline, I feel like I could still have, uh, you know, like when I was in Mexico last, this, this past week. And after we would come in from the hunt, we would have a cold cerveza waiting for us out of the ice chest. Tecate is what they serve there. And it was awesome. It was awesome. You know, sun's going down, just finished the hunt. You just crack open this cold Tecate. It was delicious. And I didn't, I didn't go past that. I didn't go, I didn't go to the second drink. It was enough for me. It was enough for me to have the one and then switch to water. So let me skip over to tobacco. Um, I, like I said, tobacco is not a sin. If it became a crutch for me, if it became something I needed for my brain to focus or to, if it became an addiction, an absolute addiction, or had to have it in front of me all the time, or if it became, if I was needing it to support me in any way that was taking away from the support I need from God. That's a problem. That becomes a sin right there. But in itself, it's not, unless it's illegal. Now, let me deal, let me, let me get to the part of your question that is probably the most important part of your question. It says, where'd you say it? Oh, it seems in your songs, you're almost glorifying it. Okay, there's the problem. This is the, so in everything you've said, Ken, for me, I'm like, good, got it, got it. Not a sin. Drinking alcohol is not a sin. Tobacco is not a sin. Okay, but then we get to a problem. Here's my, here's my problem that I struggle with. It seems in your songs you're almost glorifying it. You're right. You're right. Earl Dibble's the Country Boy song. It says, in the bridge, of Country Boy song. And I wrote this 11 years ago. No, 10 years ago. Getting country drunk in the back of my truck. The night is young, going to get messed up. Boom. There it is. This is, you know, that's glorifying uh, drunkenness. So, so what do I do? This is, you know, it's a song. It's my most popular song. A lot of, a lot of stages. What do I do? So I'm asking you, Ken. One, uh, as you said at the, at the end of your question, from one fallen man to another. 
just uh, one sinner to another trying to live my best life for Christ. Um, if it was today, if I was writing that song today, I wouldn't have put that line in there. And that was a night me and me and uh, my tour manager, Chris, and my buddy, Matt, and my brother, Tyler wrote that song. I wouldn't have written that today. I see the world differently. And I see that that could be, you know, certain could be young people listen to that and they take it too far. And I just don't, I don't believe that's the right message I need to be saying. So it weighs, it weighs on my conscience that maybe there need, maybe I need to take that bridge or maybe I need to say new words. Like when I perform it, maybe I need to change those words to something else, something, uh, not a little less dramatic and move forward with that. And it's, uh, it's, it's something I deal with. Um, as far as, far as anything, Earl Dibbles Jr., he, it's just a comedy. It's a comedy act. Um, you don't see me with a big fat dip in and, you know, slamming back, you know, shotgun and cold ones. Um, I don't do that in my videos. That's Earl. And it is something I'm kind of working through on how do I, how do I make this transition if I'm truly trying to live better for Christ? As you said, trying to live my best life for Christ. How do I... Knowing what I know and moving forward and knowing my, my place of uh, influence, it's, it crosses my mind. And it's a good question. And it's, um, I think you're right to ask it. And let me know how you think I answered it. Let me know how you think uh, I, I tackled the, the components biblically of tobacco and alcohol. You could probably find ways to argue me on all of that, <laughs> that, and that's, you know, theology is always, there's always an argument in theology. And I'm telling you what I read and what I believe and what I see, but great question, buddy. Um, shout out to upstate New York, shout out to you, Ken, and please uh, keep in touch, write me back. Let me know what, what you're thinking. And I think I'm out of time here on this podcast. I, I love you guys for, for asking these questions and for, for challenging me. Um, I have some, some really cool guests lined up for the future these next few weeks. So hang with me. Thank you for, um, being such a big part of, of my life. And the podcast has come to life really. And through these questions, it's no longer just me talking to a camera and uploading to Paul and it goes on the podcast app. It has come to life when you guys pour in your questions and, and some of these questions that, that mean so much to you and your life. And then I get to, to engage them. So I, I, I just appreciate you guys so much. And, um, it means a lot to me. I'll see you guys next Monday. Yee -yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel, hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee yee.